You're listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast, hosted by Joe Hunter on the Sound of Life at soundoflife.org. In order for this to make sense, and this will only take a second, you need to know what a synapse in the brain is. A synapse. That is, uh, <laughs> I, I got to explain it really simple. It's part of the circuit that connects sensory organs like those that detect pain or touch in the peripheral nervous system to the brain. Synapses connect neurons in the brain to neurons in the rest of the body and form those neurons to the muscles. So the brain telling the muscles what to do. You know, you, you've said that muscle memory, you know, you do a lot of things because you've done it so many times before. It's easy to do because, you, you know. So scientists have discovered that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain. Unless it is done in play. In which case, it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions. Excellent! Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. So you got to know about the animated movie Aladdin that came out. Now, you, I, I tell you, I highly recommend I'd, I'd watch it this rainy weekend. Absolute. Came out in 1992. That was when the kids were just perfect age. My kids. I thank God for that. That was some great stuff right there. Robin Williams played the genie. Okay. And you also have to know that about the movie that Steven Spielberg did called Schindler's List. They were kind of being made at the same time. All right. That's important that you know that. <laughs> okay. You remember old uh, Aladdin. Yeah, you know. He got, he got tricked by the, the evil one. You know, you got to have any great movies got to have that. You got to have that evil in there, right? So you had the evil and he tricked him and he's trapped down in this, uh, I don't know, eternal cave of doom or something, whatever it was called. You came up with the name. I remember the name. But then he finds this old lamp and he says, something's written on it. And he wipes it off, of course. That's the whole thing. And here comes Robin Williams first introduced as the genie of the land. Yeah. Woo, look out. Why? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. Hang on a second. Whoa! Whoa! Does it feel good to be out of there? I'm telling you, nice to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, where are you from? What's your name? Uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al? Or maybe just Din? Or how about Laddie? Sounds like, here, boy. <laughs> well, by now, we were probably on the floor crying tears of laughter. Well, Robin Williams, you should know, at that time, he was at the height of his career. And he normally got a fee of about $8 million to do a movie. He accepted $75,000 to do this uh, because he wanted to, and I quote, leave something wonderful behind for his children. Robin Williams was at the peak of his career. As I said, I mean, he was an incredible, iconic character that he created right there. The terms, however, were contingent upon Disney not using his voice and image to market products inspired by the film. All right. I don't know if they ever did that or not, but it was in 1991. The film came out about this time of the year, 1992. Wow. So if you're in your 20s, go get it. Watch it. The film was an instant hit sensation. Big deal. But here's the best part of the story. During the breaks, 
on the set of Aladdin, Robin Williams would call Steven Spielberg. That was to help cheer him up while he was filming Schindler's List. Wow. Steven Spielberg said he'd do 15 minutes of stand-up on the phone. He'd never say goodbye. He would just hang up on the biggest laugh he got from me. (laughs) The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Uh, Word of warning, he's a morning person. Why are cats bad storytellers? Because they only have one tail. (laughs) The Cup of Joe Morning Show with Joe Hunter. Where do you suppose he came from? Your guess is as good as mine. The Sound of Life. So 30 years ago, the big deal was to try to be a clean comedian. Right. And for most comedians, it was because let's face it, you got to start out in the dives, the honky tonks or whatever. There's, you know, um, drive in theaters, stuff, stuff like that. I mean, you know, that's where you have to get started. You don't start on the big late night show or in a movie or something. It's not where you start out. But I think if you're funny, you're funny. I think Jim Gaffigan proved that. I remember him being interviewed. It's been years now. You know, he's been out for a while. Family's grown already talking about him when they were kids. He said, I, you don't want to be labeled as, as family friendly, you know, because it means you're boring, right? He said, that's kind of what it means. But there's one that's come along, and I think his popularity went nuts because social media in the, in the uh, pandemic thing. And uh, he recently, would you believe that a clean comedian would set a record audience at Bridgestone Arena Arena, which is in Nashville, and it holds a close to twenty thousand, I think, something like that. Maybe it's nineteen thousand. He had a record of nineteen thousand three hundred and sixty five people. Nate Bargetzi. He pronounces it Bargetzi, right? And he is truly funny. And if you don't know him, you need to check out the stuff. It is absolutely pretty amazing and i'm going to share one of those uh with you right there i mean he 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 just he dreamed big he's he's one of those that did all those little places you know you come on you get 10 minutes uh your job was to help parking or whatever or or be an usher or something you know whatever and you came in and you get 10 minutes whatever and then if you're funny and then you kind of work your way up you move your way up right he said i've been going there when i was a kid to, to watch arena football and stuff, you know. And here he is on the stage performing, and he admits it. I mean, he says, oh, yeah, there's no two ways about it. That's that is that's my uh, moda uh, vaporinda, or whatever you call it, you know. So it's pretty cool. Nate Bargetzi has father. <laughs> he jokes about his father. His father was a clown. I mean, literally. <laughs> so he said, I didn't think it was anything unusual. I'll tell you a practical joke that his father did one time after. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it sometime. But I just wanted to talk about Nate. And he does, he does kind of pick on his family and stuff. So I'm sure he's got permission. She, right? She's on her iPad a lot. His daughter. You know, that's the hard part. You got to get these kids off. Are you, you, you don't want technology all the time. She just sits there on her iPad. She wants to be a YouTuber, which as a comedian makes me furious. <laughs> She watches all these kid YouTube videos, and now she makes her own videos. It's just her sitting there going, hey, guys, what's going on? Click the links below, subscribe, leave a comment. None of this is anywhere but my phone. I got 90 hours of this. It's not on YouTube. Me and her mom are the only subscribers. Smart, smart. 
Target. Helping you focus through the morning fog. The Cup of Joe Morning Show on the Sound of Life. Tasha Layton uh, explaining why when offered a pretty lucrative deal in, uh, shall we say, secular music. You know, she was touring with Katy Perry as a singer, one of the singers in the group there for like four years. And she said, yeah, oh yeah, they made me a pretty good deal there. And then this is why she turned it down. When I'm on my deathbed looking back, I'm not going to care that I built a career. I'm going to care that I helped people. And I just didn't see how a mainstream deal and the music that they wanted me to sing, the kind of thing that they wanted me to do and sing, was going to be helpful for anyone and much less connect people to who I believe is the creator of the universe. Mm. Tasha Layton, you know where she's coming from or a lot more about it. Teachers do some amazing thing. I think when a teacher does an amazing thing, it's it's even more amazing. And this one particular teacher, she said, on Friday, I did an activity. Now, this is a social media post. On Friday, I did an activity with my fifth graders, 11 years old, right? where they wrote a short blurb. <laughs> it was entitled, I wish my teacher would know. I wish my teacher would know. And she looked at a couple of these answers. And a, like five of the kids really stood out. You want to hear them? Kid number one, I wish my teacher would know my dad is in jail. And I haven't seen him in years. Whew. Change your perspective, huh? Kid number two, I wish my teacher would know I don't always eat dinner because my mom works and I don't know how to work the stove. Kid number three, I wish my teacher would know my sister sleeps in the same bed as me and sometimes she wets the bed and that's why I smell funny. Let's see if we got kid number five. I wish my teacher knew I like coming to school because it's quiet here, unlike my house with all the yelling. They're right. It's a... It's a it's kind of a quaint phrase, but it's true. You know, instead of being judgmental, maybe we should be a little more curious. Reaching the heart of the Northeast, the sound of life. No, normally talk about things in the news. You don't tune in here to hear me do news things, but since the, all that is in the news happens to also be in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I remember back, if you remember when the Berlin Wall came down, I was in the 80s, Ronald Reagan was president and stuff, and that was a big deal in communism. Soviet Union fell apart as a communist country. And of course, that's why you have all the Uzbekistans and all that and, you know, everything. But a lot of people were saying at the time, because everybody knew that Bible prophecy, they believed, showed that Russia would be very instrumental in coming down on Israel in, you know, in the end times, that, that last battle and stuff. And of course, they fell apart. People were like, ah, I guess the Bible wasn't right on that one. They're not saying that anymore. In fact, a lot of people are wondering if we're not right at the time, which is good. I mean, to be honest, you'd have to say, well, that's good. If that's what brings people together to pray, if you think it's coming, that's really good because we've basically been there ever since the church started. We've been in the end times. We've had wars and rumors of wars. And stuff. But as Joel Rosenberg broke it down, we do have some interesting 
uh, things happening. He believes that the attack from Hamas came on the 50th anniversary of Yom Kippur and the fact that Israel was perceived to be weak. We probably didn't realize it, but they've been deeply divided internally over political issues and judicial reform and other things. But what you don't realize is that Israel has like this emergency plan that automatically goes into effect. If they get attacked, forget about all that other stuff. Everybody comes together. And I think we've, we've that's been evident. You know, different factions all come together. It's pretty, pretty amazing. He also said that Hamas basically used to be the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't know if you remember them back in 1987 when they were formed. He said it's basically a genocidal organization. There's no secret about that whatsoever. Okay, it's crystal clear, he said. All right. They're funded, armed, trained by Iran. That's the thing that's got everybody going, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And Iran has been in new friends with Russia. Yeah, very interesting. So in Ezekiel, the prophet in the Bible there, talking about Gog and Magog, they sound like funny names to us now, but in chapters 38 and 39... There's a war of Gog and Magog surrounding Israel. And what's Magog is the, is most people believe that's Russia, right? And Gog is Persia. Well, modern day Persia, the old Persia is now modern day Iran. So as Joel said, I mean, the dynamics are certainly noteworthy. He said, I don't think the present crisis mentioned explicitly, but... It is, of course, noteworthy. And like we said, one time I was down south, Baptist Church, having a drought this time of the year. Not that unusual. This was a big one. People were coming together to pray on the steps of the courthouse. They didn't care. People didn't care. They were praying. And our pastor said, if that's what causes people to come together to pray, I hope it never rains. And he scared me. And I was like, you've been listening to the Cup of Joe Morning Show podcast on the sound of life. The Hudson Valley's 100% listener funded Christian radio station. For more information on upcoming events, contests, to ask for prayer, and to become a member of the Sound of Life family by supporting the station, visit us at soundoflife.org.